0: Chris Ann Hall of the Liberty First Society. And uh, Chris Ann is a really fascinating individual. She received her bachelor's degree in biochemistry from Blackburn College and then her Juris Doctor from the University of Florida College of Law. She served in the U.S. Army as a military intelligence cryptologic linguist and was a prosecutor for the state of Florida for nearly a decade. She's worked with a prominent national First Amendment law firm where she's traveled the country defending Americans whose rights were violated by unlawful arrests and prosecutions. She's also the author of six books and speaks all the time on the U.S. Constitution and American history all across the country. You can see her on a variety of different news channels and interviews. So we are very proud to welcome Dr. Chris Ann Hall to the show. Thank you for joining us, Chris Ann.
1: It is absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm excited to see the whole libertarian Christian thing going on there.
0: I'm (laughs) I'm glad you like it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Yeah, we definitely would encourage you to join us in the effort as best you know how and as best you can. We're thankful for your work on behalf of Liberty as well. You know, I'm particularly fascinated by your recent documentary that you guys put out called Noncompliance. This is something that, you know, kind of came across my desk from a friend. And it's really quite fascinating the way you put this together. So tell us a little bit about the non-compliance documentary and how it came into being. What the point of it is? What were you trying to accomplish with it?
1: Well, we've been traveling and teaching the Constitution now for eleven years, and it really has been a long-term dream of mine to bring this information through the format of documentary. People really resonate well with that form of media, and it gives us an opportunity to reach people in a larger capacity. I mean, we were, for seven of those 11 years, I taught 260, on average, 260 meetings in 22 states every single year. And I was actually only spending about four days a month at home. So we really needed a way to mass produce and reach people in places where we couldn't visit all the time. I mean, we were going and we were teaching and always getting a really fabulous response. People saying, Chrisanne, can you clone yourself? And (laughs) this seemed to be the most efficient and effective way of doing that. And then, because we teach many principles, concepts of the Constitution, American history, this concept, this principle of noncompliance, peaceful noncompliance, as it has been sown into the fabric of our constitutional republic as the strongest check and balance of government that is not complying with the constitution, that is not respecting the limited consent of power by the people. This topic seemed to be the most, not only relevant, but also the most effective message to give because so many people out there are looking for solutions. And so this is actually a solution that goes back to the hands of the people. You don't have to elect a political savior for it. You don't have to wait for somebody to do something for you. You don't have to trust in government for it. It's actually a power in the hands of a single person and more effectively in a group of people. So you don't have to have a majority who are with you. Historically, and you've seen the movie Noncompliant, we show that studies have shown that less than 3.5% of the population is needed for a successful change in society through peaceful noncompliance.
0: And that's a really kind of fascinating thing to consider that, you know, you talk about in, in the video about periods of monumental change happen when one person stands up. Right. You know, and first thing I've thought about is like, man, is she, is she proposing like a great man theory of history here? And then I realized, you know, not really, not really. Because what you're really getting at is kind of almost a praxeological argument here that all action does start with individuals. And that's, I think, a really important thing to realize is that there is not a manner of correction that is required that involves just getting the whole bunch of people to vote right and changing the world that way like it starts with each one of us
1: right exactly and it's a matter of human nature that's unfortunately unavoidable when people get comfortable they get addicted to their comfort so whatever oh, yeah. form of comfort that may be and what really needs to happen is somebody and this is not a great man theory it's an individual it's an individual application yeah. by human nature when we get comfortable as Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence, that people will suffer evil as long as evil is sufferable. And that's because we get comfortable in that evil. We know the evil we know is better than the unknown. And so what it really takes throughout history is one person within a small group. I mean, not like the leader of the universe kind of one person, but one person within a small group to possess the knowledge and the virtue, to be the one to say it's worth stepping out of the comfort zone. And then when people see that person standing, others stand with them. It's an unavoidable truth of human nature. So much so, Samuel Adams said this. He said, no people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. He said, on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders.
0: And so we
1: have to be the people possessing of the knowledge so that the virtue within us will give us the strength to stand. That's what we do in noncompliance. When I mentioned that that peaceful noncompliance, as a powerful check and balance on government has been sewn into the fabric of our constitutional republic, I mean that quite actually. Our founders began America through peaceful noncompliance. Our founders believed the ultimate responsibility in government was not benign rulers, but powerful people who ruled over government, not rulers who ruled over people. And in order to exercise that power of the people, the people must be willing and knowledgeable to stand in peaceful noncompliance. Our whole constitutional republic was created so we wouldn't have to organize an armed rebellion against the king, but that we could exercise our assembly in peaceful noncompliance to steer, to control, and even to thwart government that is not listening or abiding by the constitution.
0: Yeah, that it's a really interesting you know, kind of dichotomy between what is typically taught both in law schools and frankly, just in general American history at this point, because people don't know much about the Constitution. People don't take the time to learn it. It was, you know, if we want to be honest about it, there was like a huge awakening, you might say, with Ron Paul and the presidential campaigns of 08 and 2012. But there's still so much work to do in this regard. And, you know, I, I really appreciate as well, in the way you talk about the independence of the states and the logic that you go through to not only talk about individual rights and their principal importance, but how the independence of the states implies a certain superiority of them over and above the federal government. Tell us a little bit about that and how you kind of came to that with respect to the idea of compact versus contract and, and those sorts of legal principles.
1: Well, it's important to understand something. I didn't come up with these things. These are not theories or postulations I developed on my own. These are actually the things that those who who designed, who wrote and ratified the Constitution themselves said. I sort of shake my head and laugh at the people who talk about the Constitution being a contract theory or the compact theory. It's an interesting deception because it's what our founders actually said it was. And so a compact is an agreement between governments. A contract is an agreement between people. Our constitution is a compact because and it is an agreement between the states that created the federal government. It is not an agreement between the people. The constitution was not ratified by popular vote. It is an agreement between the states because it is the states as the representatives of the people that ratified the Constitution. Remember, the Constitution itself says we must have three quarters of the states to ratify. And so in that aspect, it is a compact, an agreement between the states that created the Constitution, which created the federal government. That makes the states the creators of the federal government. And it makes the states the authority over the federal government. Now, our constitution explains to us that when the federal government is working within its delegated power, specifically delegated power, by the way, the constitution is not a document of can'ts, things you can't do. The constitution is a document of cans, the things that the federal government is allowed to do. If it's not specifically enumerated as a power, it does not belong to the federal government. The federal government is not authorized to use that authority, that power. And so Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution explains that when the federal government is operating within that limited and defined authority delegated to it by the states, its laws are the supreme law of the land. They go along with the Constitution. They are supreme. However, as Article 6 says, the Constitution is a supreme law of the land, and the laws of the United States made in pursuance to the Constitution are the supreme law of the land. However, if the federal government creates a law, a regulation, an executive order, a Supreme Court opinion that is not consistent, with the limited and defined authority delegated to it by the states, then that power is null and void because it lacks authority. It would be like me coming to your house and giving you a piece of paper that says, you must now submit to my authority and give me all your furniture. Well, there's no legal basis for that piece of paper because you never consented to me to have that authority. The same thing would be the proper understanding of the federal government the consent the people gave to the federal government was written down in the Constitution. Anything beyond the limited and defined authority is without the people's consent. It lacks authority. Alexander Hamilton said, it's void and of no force. James Wilson said, it has no force of law at all. James Madison even explains that it's the state's obligation To stand up to a federal government that's operating outside the limited and defined authority of the Constitution. So, the authority of the state is superior to the federal government in that it created the federal government, it created its limited and defined authority. And if the federal government is acting outside that authority, it is the duty and the power of the state to take that unlawful power through non-compliance by simply saying to the federal government, we didn't authorize that, so it has no authority in our state, we will not enforce it, and neither will you.
0: And that's such a good message to hear because it really helps to explain why it is that the federal government is the inferior authority Mm -hmm. and that the mythology that has been kind of built up around the federal government in particular And arguably, there's some rationale that, you know, I would propose that really any government is trying to build up a mythology around itself. It tends to set itself up in opposition to God and so on and so forth. Right. But in particular, in our current present-day situation, the federal government has absolutely absconded with so much power and unlawfully that it's rather unfit to exist (laughs) in the first place at this anymore...
1: You will appreciate this being Christian libertarians. There is a proper flow of authority, and it comes from that same principle that we talked about, the states being the creators of the federal government. Therefore, the states have a higher power than the federal government because the federal government is the lower created power. The design of government created by God is a natural flow. God created man. Man being created as social creatures creates society to keep order in society. The organized collection of people called society create government, which creates laws. That's the proper flow of authority. And as you move down that level, God, man, society, government, power diminishes because the creator can never give more power than they possess to the creation. So God doesn't divulge doesn't delegate power, all his power to man. Therefore, we have a limited power by delegation. Man in creating society delegates a smaller portion of what God delegated to man. And then society possessing a smaller portion has to even delegate an even smaller portion. So as you go down God, man, society, government, government is underneath man with limited power. The problem is, we are operating in the Antichrist flow of government, where people in society have actually placed government above man. This errant ideology that people must submit to everything that government demands is the antichrist system. It puts government above man, which has to put government above God and saying that government is God, government is the provider, government is the protector, and God is beneath government.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's definitely been a major part of our message here at LCI since the beginning is recognizing that fallacious and really in some sense, almost demonic ideology for what it really is. And it does result in the loss of prosperity in disorder, not order, and ultimately in violence, chaos. And I mean, it's truly, you know, they people like to say, well, if you got what you want, it would just be anarchy or something like that, as if anarchy is the complete absence of order. But that's certainly not the case. In fact, quite the opposite is that it is, in fact, in a state of a general state, not the government state, but in a state of basic existence of man where we create order out of that. And that's then and only then do we have the capacity to consider, well, maybe we should have an institution that is able to have some measure of additional order here. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up in opposition to God's order. And that's actually, you know, in my view, at least that's the, that is in fact, the story of the Tower of Babel. Then that train goes throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation. To that effect. So, anyway, that's a bit of an aside here, not not part of your documentary per se,
1: right. but I
0: think it's just worth pointing out that those sorts of things are aligned together.
1: Well, I actually teach at a Christian university in Tampa at the River School of Government, and the guiding scripture that we use for the River School of Government is Acts seventeen six. Sure. Those who have come to turn the world upside down, and so we take it as is our called mission to turn the Antichrist system back to the proper flow of government, where government is once again beneath the man and not over it.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Well, I wanted to point out as, uh, you know, going back to the documentary here, I, I love the way that you kind of highlight to people. And, and I have no idea where you filmed that originally. But I did note that, you know, you put up a bit about the Texas Constitution, even mm-hmm. in a slide. <laughs> now, being originally from Texas myself and, and having a a particular interest in the Texas Constitution, I know, like you pointed out, that our state constitutions are actually pretty great. Yeah. And often protect the rights of the people even more so than the Bill of Rights. There's a particular fun little story here. I'll just give you the vignette. I mean, Chrisanne, do you recall about a decade or 12 years ago when Texas was trying to throw out the TSA?
1: Yeah, I do. I actually use that as an illustration, actually. Oh,
0: well, fun fact for you, Chrisanne. That plan that was executed by David Simpson, the representative, was actually the brainchild of him and me.
1: Oh, congratulations.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a really goofy little idea. I actually had the idea while I was at a UT Austin football game um, on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, just because I had recently met David Simpson. And it was awesome because when I met David, he gave me his phone number and we started talking a bit. And I came up with this idea. He thought it was great. So we wrote the bills together. It was fantastic. But... At any rate, really the point is, guys, is that like your state constitutions you can leverage and you need to learn them because there's often so many good things you can gain from that. And you can weaponize this in some sense against the federal government.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting is that the federal government knows this but they don't want the people to know it. So if you look at the very act, just to go back to your example, the the act that created the TSA had incorporated within its language that the states could take out the TSA out of the airports, was written into the law, and install private security. It was actually the TSA that violated the very law that created it when they threatened Texas to be a no-fly zone if they went yeah. forward with the legislation.
0: I'm glad you used that language. That was, my, uh, that was actually one of my little marketing twists that I threw on that at the last minute. <laughs> That's great. Those were great times back in the day of really trying to practice nullification. And it made a difference in many respects, even though we didn't get everything we wanted, obviously. But, you know, that brings up some kind of... I know we only have a few more minutes here, but I wanted to address something I thought was somewhat curious. And this goes to these examples of how to resist. In the documentary, you put forward four examples of people striking back, if you will, or resisting noncompliance against government authority. Now, the first one was about the sheriff who said the FDA was not going to be able to come into this state and do anything more to his people. And that one is definitely an example of nullification against the federal government. The next three, though, I thought were interesting because even though the bulk of your presentation is about noncompliance against federal law and federal action, the next three examples were really about state actions. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to kind of give you a chance, because I thought this was, obviously it wasn't wrong. I think it was absolutely right that they did what they did in these examples. But given that you spent a lot of time talking about the federal government and these examples are more about the state governments, What do you have to say with regards to what about resisting just these states Mm -hmm. and their activities? Obviously, we need to be doing it. On what basis do you have for that? Uh, How would you explain that?
1: You mean when, how do we use peaceful noncompliance as a check and balance on the state government as opposed to the federal government?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Absolutely, because the same principle applies. You see, the Constitution In the state now, remember the Constitution of the United States is an agreement between the states to create the federal government. The state Constitution is an agreement between the people to create the state government. And so the Constitution in and of itself is a form of consent. It's a can-do document. It tells the state government, we will allow you to be our government on certain limited conditions this particular enumeration of power is your only power. As a matter of fact, most, and and I say most because I can't recall right off the top of my head, I've read every single state constitution, but I'm trying to remember and I don't want to misspeak. I would say most, if not all, state constitutions make a reference to the power of government originating in the people. So all political authority is derived from the people state constitutions will say that, which gives us the knowledge that the people are the authority over the state government. And just as the states can refuse lawfully, refuse to comply with actions of federal government that are exercised outside the consent of the constitution, that same principle applies to the people when the government of their local government or their state government attempts to exercise power beyond the grant of the state constitution. And the reason that our state and local governments exercise so much power now is because the people of our states don't take the time to know their state constitutions. And this this is gonna sound like I'm lying or really extreme, but as I've <laughs> gone over the last two years and taught people their state constitutions, so many people have said to me, I am so grateful, Chrisanne, for you to come in and teach me about my state constitution. I didn't even know I had a state constitution. Wow. So since 1833 our education system at every level. And I mean, through law school, through, you know, the highest levels of education have been so federal focused, federal centric that many Americans don't even know there exists state constitutions. And so that's part of what we have to change in our understanding as a people. And peaceful noncompliance is the same powerful check and balance on state and local government that exists when the state governments engage in peaceful noncompliance to unauthorized federal actions.
0: So, in other words, we can use noncompliance against our immediate states where we live as kind of the catalyst point to maybe eventually get to where we're nullifying federal laws as well. Once we get our own houses in order here, it's easy, even easier to take another step out.
1: Absolutely, and that's why non-compliant teaches that the power, the real check and balance power exists state and locally. And so when we create a check and balance on the state and local governments, we actually train up state and local authorities on the proper role of government. And then what we do is we can then send those trained people For the proper role of government, we can send those people to government in the federal level, and then the federal government can be fixed to follow the Constitution instead of what we have now, which is an overreaching, overpowerful, constitutionally, you know, outside the Constitution government. And so what we have to do is, you know, like Samuel Adams says, it has to begin with education, and the education is best applied successfully, state and local, which is why, by the way, the sheriff, and we do mention this in Noncompliant briefly, the sheriff is the most powerful application of peaceful noncompliance, both on the state and local level and on the federal level. And I don't know if you're aware, but we started filming the sequel to Noncompliant, Noncompliant 2, and it's all about the history, the role, the duty of the sheriff as a guardian of the people's rights.
0: I was not aware of that, but I was going to bring up the sheriff thing too because I thought that was really cool. And so I'm glad that you're doing the new video. I'm glad that it's, it's uh, you brought up the issue of the sheriff as well. So thank you for that. Appreciate that very much. Is there any final words that you'd like to leave with our listeners before we wrap up and make sure that everybody knows how they can get to watch the non-compliant documentary?
1: Well, my message is one of really successful future application of the power of the people and a hope in what I see is almost a common despair sweeping across America, a hopelessness of it's all over, there's nothing we can do. And really, that's a, a misplaced understanding in the power of the people thinking that the only thing we can do is vote. And when we vote people into office and we were wrong about that vote and they go wicked or they get to office and they are somehow coerced or transformed to be wicked, that that's our only power. And so what we hope to do is to bring the introduction of the education through noncompliance. You can watch it at noncompliantmovie.com. And then we hope at that point that you will take your education a step further And join us at libertyfirstsociety.com and really learn how government is supposed to work and how government is supposed to be in submission to the state constitution, to the federal constitution, and to the people. And so what we want to do is return to the design of our constitutional republic where the people have the most powerful check and balance available to them. We don't have to rewrite the Constitution. We don't have to amend the Constitution. We don't have to overthrow government. We don't even have to get violent. What we have to do is change how we think about government, what we know about government, and start acting in our role as government. People have to stop being consumers of government, spectators of government, and start being government. And so we're not just, you know, drive-by documentaries. We're just not dumping all this knowledge, awareness into your lap and then leaving you to to flounder with this knowledge of, oh my gosh, look how bad we are. How do we fix this? That's why noncompliantmovie.com actually works tandem with libertyfirstsociety.com to help people and disciple them into the proper role of government and the power of the people to ensure that.
0: Awesome. Well, we appreciate your work on behalf of Liberty. And we do hope that people go to your website and take a look at those videos and and what you have available there. Uh, We're thankful that you've been faithful in creating all of this. So thank you so much, Chrisanne, for joining us here on the Libertarian Christian Podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing. We're always grateful. Uh, we are not territorial. We rejoice okay. in every voice because it takes more than one. So we just want to say thank you. God bless you. And you will now be in our prayers.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Chrisanne. So with that, we, we again want to thank Liberty First Society. Thank Chrisanne Hall. Thank JC, who's been in the background here and just for everything that they're doing. And from all of us at LCI, we'll see you next time.